the overall standings. And tonight they have, what is it called, the free skate or something like that? Yeah, I think so. It's the third part of the ice dancing competition, and they have a legitimate shot at meddling and even for gold after setting themselves up very well last night. But that'll do it for us tonight on Extra Points. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with Daily Sports Reports. But for Chris, Tyler, Bill, and Jeremy, I'm Rushi saying good night and go blue. Navarre gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan! And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24, and the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath Ann Arbor as Navarre gets set. Places down. Kick is up. It's long enough. It's good. It's good. Michigan wins the game. Michigan shocks Washington. And the Wolverines are victorious. radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan, operated by students at the University of Michigan, uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. It's time for another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim may be or may not be joining us tonight. I tried calling him earlier this afternoon because Ann Arbor got probably about eight or nine inches of snow. It's kind of deep, and he lives on a cul-de-sac, and that tends to be the last street that the uh, good old snow plows get to, but he's just uh, pulled into the studio, and he's fastening his seatbelt what you'll so, want to do, make sure you... Uh, hang on. The, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> get the snow off your windows before you go driving around town, too. Uh, and the main roads aren't bad. I mean, this no, is an ex- fine. example of the difference between living in Michigan, where uh, we do spend our tax dollars on clearing the streets and hiring contractors. Uh, the University of Michigan, of course, uh, keeps the sidewalks in pretty good shape around the campus area. That's the difference between us and... 
in the District of Columbia that, uh, of course, has been paralyzed over the past couple of weeks. And people are building igloos claiming it's proof that there's no global warming. James Enhoff, another brain damage to this man. Heard on the BBC uh, Sunday night that uh, the oceans, in fact, are the most acidic they've been in 55 million years. The oceans sort of uh, act as a sponge for carbon dioxide, and this is part of the contribution. And uh, this could have some serious impact 20, 30 years down the road. It ain't global warming, dude. It's climate change. Indeed. In a recent census of Antarctic marine life, an investigation that began in 2005 has uh, recently identified 6,000 species living on the seafloor half of them unique to Antarctica, and the survey is already finding changes in the habitat of these creatures. Most strikingly, the populations of krill, the tiny shrimp-like creatures eaten by penguins, whales, and seals, uh, are falling as ice cover shrinks, and uh, smaller, uh, less uh, edible uh, creatures such as crustaceans are increasing. This has the potential to lead to devastating uh, consequences for the Food chain. Mm-hmm. Krill is uh, the basic building block of the food chain, and if uh, krill numbers fall, uh, massive uh, die-offs of sea life will be guaranteed to follow. Yeah, and this is apparently what happened 55 million years ago, and obviously uh, it's not just a question of temperatures or precipitation. There's a whole host of issues that scientists are studying as a result of the increased carbon dioxide, which cannot be denied by any of the deniers. And needless to say, they were well on display at the annual convention of CPAC in Washington, in which Dick Cheney boldly predicts that Barack Obama will be a one-term president. We'll give him a brain damage award. Uh, I don't know what he's basing this bold prediction on, but if he's got 100 bucks that he wants to put between his cheeks <laughs> and George Bush's gums, <laughs> I'll be glad to take him on, because I don't think uh, Mitt Romney, Sarah Palin, or Ron, don't call me RuPaul, who apparently... Uh, <laughs> he won the straw poll the at straw the CPAC. Poll. Straw poll of straw men against scarecrows. Um I mean, really, how uh, electable is Ron Paul, even amongst the tattered shards of the Republican faithful? Well, he's run for president, I think, now four times. I mean, he's getting into the Harold Stassen uh, league. (laughs) He's a fringe man. And you know what? He's absolutely correct on some issues of foreign policy. Um, The Republican Party didn't want to entertain any of his uh, anti-Iraq war uh, discussions. Right. See, that's that's just it. That's why he is essentially unelectable even to the contingent that's represented by CPAC. But he made the good point that there is a difference between non-intervention and isolationism. And he's absolutely correct on that issue. Um, As for uh, CPAC members actually openly embracing Joe... Call me Schmo Stack the Third, the guy that flew his airplane into the IRS building in Austin, Texas, apparently uh, has some sort of grievance with the uh, 1986 Ronald Reagan tax <laughs> proposal, um, bordering on the bazaar. Um, 
CPAC members were openly cracking jokes about this uh, during the convention. Well, I mean, that's like... one in which yeah. uh, uh, somebody claimed they couldn't believe it wasn't Grover Norquist, <laughs> the man who famously said, we want to starve the government and strangle the baby in the... Reduce the size of the government yeah. down so that it can be strangled in the tub. In the bathtub, yeah. Um, Family uh, values sort of a guy there. And Scott Brown even sort of vicariously linked this guy's act to um, his election. There's a lot of anger out there. Um, well, no, it, it also guy, reminds like, of G. Gordon Liddy, who in the no. uh, days of the Branch Davidians and that whole debacle with Janet Reno and the Justice Department uh, famously observed on his radio show that if federal agents come to your house, you shoot at the face and the groin because their body armor is not protected there. G. Gordon Liddy uh, helping the faith faithful angry nutjobs of the world out there uh, focus mentally. Uh yeah, I mean, gee, isn't flying a plane into a building filled with offices where people work, uh, uh, oh, yeah, a terrorist act? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, uh, the fringe far right becomes even more fringe and somehow expects the people to respond to their lunacy. Go all mainstreamy. Yeah, they're going rogue on us. Well, Evan Bayh has resigned. I don't think we need to talk about his uh, sunny personality. It's interesting how much his hair resembles Blanche Lincoln's. It's like <laughs> Blan he has the Blanche Lincoln hairdo with the crew cut. Uh, he's got a, a piece in the recent uh, Sunday edition of the New York Times that I didn't bring in about why he resigned. It's frankly quite a lot of mush, and it's bizarre that he would announce his retirement so close to the filing deadline for the Indiana primaries that the Democrats are not going to have a primary. The uh, the bosses are going to pick uh, the Democratic nominee, and uh, apparently the leading Republican nominee that uh, all the pundits are claiming is going to win the seat handily is uh, intimately linked to Wall Street, the banking lobby, and Dan Quayle. So we'll see what happens. Um, I've heard this interesting draft John Cougar Mellencamp movement. I think that would be fascinating. He's done of some, Indiana. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Done some good work on behalf of beleaguered family farms, uh, veterans, etc. He's a well-known liberal, and he's from a small town. So maybe he can uh, cash in on the Palin constituency. Ain't that America? That ordinary American that responds so enthusiastically to the winks. And, you know, actually, I'm surprised that... Uh, and the nods. Of course, there's been plenty to make fun of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's political career and uh, the gubernator and all that. Yeah. Uh, the Simpsons have their Rainier Wolfcastle character that so admirably does that. But, uh, of course, Sonny Bono was a senator. Mm -hmm. uh, Al Franken currently enjoys that uh, prestigious... Honor, and I've always been surprised that more entertainers have not actively pursued that as mm -hmm. a, a viable career because, you know, why not? They're performers. Uh, the, the great uh, performances of Reagan, of course, were somewhat laughable because of the material he was expecting people to swallow. But there's no denying the success that the man had as a benign presenter of genial, aw shucks, 
you know, Americana. Yeah, the city on the hill. That was his uh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, they fed played, him the right tropes. Yeah, and he that, performed. I think they. I think he borrowed that from a poet named John Winthrop. Yeah, somebody like Bruce Springsteen or John Mellencamp. You know, why not? Why? Why shouldn't they uh, consider a political career? We could certainly do worse. We and certainly can. We usually have. Because we have a uh, motley crew down there in Washington. Maybe they'll be running from Idaho before you know it. But speaking of uh, actors in the spotlight over the weekend, it was reported that Al Haig, I'm in charge. I don't think he uh, ever quite lived that down. But uh, I, uh, rather than focus on his... Uh, Public guffaw. Famous uh, a faux pas, yeah. Faux pas. I'm in control here. Foot in, foot in the mouth uh, for getting the succession of the presidency. There was some technicality. Bush was... En route Wa- from uh, flying back from Texas. Yeah, George Walker Bush was airborne. But, of course, the Secretary of State is fourth and in the secession order. Wanker was not driving, not flying the plane, <laughs> fortunately for George Walker Bush. Well, actually, fifth, uh, if you can believe it, Strom Thurmond was... Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. ...was fourth in line for quite some time. <laughs> now, could you put your hand on the Bible? I'm going to swear you in here for the impeachment of the president. <laughs> I couldn't even stand up. That would have been something to behold if uh, become president. <laughs> it had come to that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Al Haig's uh, relevance in my mind, besides you know a very interesting public career because he he was a uh, a military man and connections, uh, of course, to MacArthur. Annie Lennox always liked a man in a uniform, and uh, he certainly. I think he even attained four-star general status. He was in charge mm-hmm. of NATO, I think, at one point during the Ford administration. But I've always thought his most interesting uh, role in American history was writing the letter of resignation for Richard Nixon. In a very real and way, he was a sort of to a, sign it. a caretaker uh, <laughs> for the, sign dw- it. the dwindling days of the Nixon administration. <laughs> Um, where indeed, if there was any moment where he was in control in the White yeah, House, exactly. legitimately you could make that claim in that transition from Nixon uh, to Ford because Haig, of course, was actively involved in prepping Ford to assume the mantle. And he was the chief of staff for Nixon at the time and working closely with Nixon's lawyers where he discovered, to his credit, uh, between five and seven additional erasures, speaking of Annie Lennox... <laughs> And things 80s. Uh, That um, besides the 18 and a half minute gap. So uh, he told Nixon that if you want to retain your federal pension, dude, sign the letter. And he wrote it out for him and uh, pretty much uh, said the the handwriting's on the wall. Uh, Barry Goldwater's going to vote for impeachment. I've talked to the lawyers, uh, St. Clair and uh, Leonard Garment, and uh, you don't have a chance. Of course, it's important to note that uh, it took him a while to come to that position to see the writing on the wall himself. And that, uh, of course, uh, he is largely responsible for uh, the uh, famous Saturday Night Massacre, ordering that uh, those firings. 
Yeah, and the other thing that was interesting was he was sort of forced out of the Reagan administration early on. Uh, it was originally Nancy Reagan's idea to, quote, have a man who looks like he's in charge, in charge. Um, they needed kind of a rock star for their uh, initial uh, months of the Reagan presidency, so he was selected to be Secretary of State, and uh, he became very discouraged, uh, incidentally. There's a variety of conflicting uh, versions about why he exactly resigned. It's sort of loosely connected to Lebanon, but of more interest, uh, and this only falls in the category of irony, I heard over the weekend that the British began drilling for oil (laughs) off the coast of the Falkland Islands. The Falkland Mm. Islands War. Uh, He was uh, rather disappointed with the rather tepid response that the Reagan administration was taking towards the Falkland dispute. And this, in terms of its uh, relevance to history, was connected to the fact that at the time the Reagan administration was utilizing the Argentinian military junta, the dictatorship, the actual dictatorship that was in charge in Argentina, to train the Contras. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to upset that paragon of anti-communism and the battle against the Contras. So their response to the Falkland uh, war dispute between Argentina and Britain, of all places, was uh, rather aloof. Well, and of course, it was a difficult uh, position for Reagan's administration to take because Maggie Thatcher was sort of the, you know, one of the fists of the one-two punch of... uh that sort of Reaganoid approach to economics and the Cold War. Yeah, so uh, very interesting. And I have not yet read Al Haig's memoirs, but at some point I'm sure I'll get around to it just because of his uh, long uh, connection with the uh, establishment of the Republican Party, particularly um, Richard Nixon and our 40th president, Ronald Reagan. And it was interesting that William Saxby in his obituary is actually quoted as saying he was the president towards the end. He held that office together mm. in response to the uh, the downfall of Tricky Dick. And then, of course, he ran for president at one point. Not um, so successfully. Not yeah. so successfully. A little that... too uh, blunt. Well, noting famous passings, this is not really a uh, gubernatorial uh, person of significance, but uh, a gentleman whose personality and profession gave a name to a phenomena that is now just culturally acknowledged worldwide as the norm for celebrity worship in the entertainment biz. But uh, Felice Quinto, a uh, self-designated photographo di assalto, assault photographer, uh, has passed away at the age of 85. Uh, and uh, this is the guy for whom uh, Federico Fellini created the character Paparazzo. And this was uh, when uh, the Italian film studios in the 50s became uh, very popular to use for Hollywood studios because of the lower costs, fabulous facilities. Uh, a lot of big-time productions were going on there, and so this celebrity feeding frenzy photography which finds a, a celebrity like Sean Penn in trouble again uh, recently for punching out another photographer I think uh, Felice Quinto was probably a little bit more graceful than some of the uh, people who 
feed on that uh, mania today. But uh, Paparazzo, Paparazzi passed away there as well. Incidentally, uh, another item connected to kind of bizarre extremism here at home uh, that we like to bring to your attention from time to time. It was reported uh, yesterday that two men have been arrested in East Texas for um, setting fires to churches. Now, this is absolute insanity, but it's quite interesting that these men both, and we'll leave their names out of the uh, article since they're somewhat irrelevant, both of uh, small towns in East Texas, one of Lindale, one of a place called Ben Wheeler, which I don't think I, I guess that's kind of like Ann Arbor, Ben Wheeler, Ann Arbor. Um, it notes uh, in the in the report by Derek Henry that these men attended the First Baptist Church in Ben Wheeler together. Uh, they've been arrested for setting fire to a church at Dover Baptist Church on the 8th of February with one law enforcement official from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms stating, we've been looking at these guys for a while. He said that various techniques that had led to the suspects included the use of DNA evidence and telephone tips. A motive for the fires was still being investigated. And whether these are... Christian youth group students gone terribly wrong. What this is all about, whether this is apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic, uh, practices uh, in action or what this is all about, anyone can venture to guess, but it will be interesting to contrast uh, these, uh, the coverage of this event down there in East Texas to the recent brouhaha here uh, in uh, Detroit over the attempted uh, bombing over Christmas involving uh, a Muslim. So uh, stay tuned, but don't expect the media to uh, focus too much on their religious background. Indeed. Well, of course, there was the uh, kind of bizarre assassination. I don't know really if bizarre is the right word to characterize it, but uh, clearly a very professional job. The assassination in um, is it the United Arab Emirates yeah. in Dubai of uh, Mahmoud al-Mabou, uh, a purported arms trafficker to Hamas. Wanted in Israel for kidnapping and murder of two soldiers. Uh, killed in his hotel room with robust efficiency by 11 suspects uh, who the authorities in Dubai say that they have uh, identified uh, several of them, all traveling on various European passports, forged passports. Mainly from Britain and Ireland, by the way. Yeah, one from France and Germany each, but um, rather an unusual uh, incident uh, in that it's going to have uh, repercussions. Um, Two immediate reactions to it are kind of interesting to note. Um, Ephraim Khan, who's quoted in Tobias Buck's article in the Financial Times of February 18th, uh, Ephraim Khan is the deputy director of Israel's Institute for National Security Studies, 
said that the criticism of the operation is overdone. Quote, the operation went relatively smoothly. He was killed, and those who did it disappeared from the stage without being arrested. Close quote. Of course, it's the smoothness of it that is <laughs> so troubling. Um, yeah, and it fits a pattern of previous uh, assassinations linked to Mossad in which foreign passports have been used. These have actually backfired on Bibi Boo Boo Netanyahu Indeed. in the past, and it will be uh, interesting to see what happens now with this um, these revelations, because certain countries take a dim view of this sort of uh, manipulation. Well, I mean, it's extrajudicial uh, assassination is just sort of one legal term for murder. I understand that, by the way, one of the Irish uh, passports that was utilized involved a man that was supposedly going to be traveling this weekend. So he oh, might have wow. ended up being arrested Yeah, <laughs> in some uh, place in the Middle East where he might have ended up in a dungeon. Um and, of course, you know, this guy, uh, Mahmoud al-Mabu, uh, may indeed be uh, guilty of kidnapping, murder, etc. But uh, you don't win any uh, friends or acknowledge uh, the rule of law by just violating at your own leisure. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is uh, a mistake. It's going to uh, hurt more than help the situation. Uh, perhaps it's illustrative of the fact that Israel doesn't really want to negotiate in good faith with Palestinians. It's easier to exacerbate uh, a tenuous situation by assassination squad rather than uh, deal with the substantive issues. Um, one other uh, response to this by Jonathan Reinhold, a researcher at the Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Affairs, said that the Dubai killings would probably give fresh impetus to recent efforts to arrest uh, people from Israel, dignitaries and government officials, uh, when they travel to foreign countries. Uh, for example, several Israeli uh, politicians and figures, including I think even Avigdor Lieberman, um, were threatened with arrest if they flew through Heathrow uh, because of accusations and uh, wanting for questioning about the uh, military efforts in Gaza of the previous year. So... Uh, Rheingold of this Begin Sadat Center says that this will help those people who want to arrest Israelis as they arrive in Heathrow Airport. Uh, even the current rumors will do that. So it might seem like something to cheer about for those who want to fight terror, but it's the wrong way to go about it. And it's it's really Israel has proven itself to be its own worst enemy. And unilateral foreign policy maneuvers by Israel have proven to be disastrous in the past including the unapproved invasion of Lebanon uh, back in June of 82 that uh, contributed to Al Haig's uh, resignation. And, yeah. This past week, by the way, there was an outstanding documentary um, on PBS, The Frontline uh, Program, had a very interesting story about the conflict that was occurring back in 1998 between the uh, commodity... Futures Trade Commission, a regulatory agency headed by a female, and the conflict that she had regarding the regulation of derivatives um, in which uh, essentially the Clinton administration's top officials, uh, Robert Rubin and Lawrence Summers, who's currently a top advisor to Barack Obama, mm -hmm. 
and chairman of the Fed, Alan Greenspan, essentially emasculated the regulator that predicted the demise of the derivatives market that contributed mightily to the uh, Wall Street collapse. And it's quite interesting. Today, we're still debating the precise nature of the regulation. The, the upcoming uh, bills are still under consideration on Congress about controlling and regulating these completely unregulated and completely opaque trading operations that are essentially side bets on futures prices on commodities in particular. And it is staggering to realize that as of this show tonight here on the uh, anniversary of George Washington's birthday, uh, no regulation is still in place for these uh, derivatives markets that have contributed mightily in the past to financial panics, such as the decline of long-term capital management in 1998 that Rubin and Greenspan successfully uh, shepherded through the troubled waters of the House of Cards, so to speak. And when you realize that the derivatives market globally is $595 trillion, these are side bets that no one knows anything about. And it, when the House of Cards falls, and uh, they could fall for a variety of reasons, uh, things could get mighty scary because we have hedge funds making these bets through investment banks such as uh, Goldman Sachs and the recently departed Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. Uh, it's a very frightening situation. And uh, I recently finished a book called House of Cards that goes into the sort of the gory details of the demise of Bear Stearns that at one time was selling as a stock, a publicly traded stock, for about $175 a share. When uh, J.P. Morgan Chase bought it up as it collapsed, they got it for $2 a share. In other words, the price was virtually worthless. And this was because this company had been able to successfully leverage through the, the arcane uh, instruments of Wall Street uh, a ratio of 44 to 1 debt to equity ratio. They were able to raise $525 billion of debt while essentially putting up $18 billion. Staggering That's stuff. Incredible. And this documentary last, last week is just a small slice of this very complicated picture that many more Americans need to, under, uh, to, to absorb in terms of the actual chronology of events, historical and otherwise that are part of the uh, decline of Wall Street and the recent financial catastrophe that uh, has confronted our nation. Alan Greenspan, um, who uh, the documentary pointed out, was a big adherent of free market capitalism and the philosopher Ayn Rand and mm. Anything Goes. Uh, she's quite a character in her own right. Sort of a, a cross between Henry Kissinger, Al Haig, and Machiavelli. <laughs> With uh, questionable fashion sense as well. Yeah, uh, a little <laughs> bit of Marquise de Sade mixed in, I'm sure. Um, I wonder if there are any videos of her in the bedroom. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know, but Alan Greenspan... Riding crop, firmly in hand. Has been at the heart of the entire demise of American capitalism over the past uh, 
40 years for all intents and purposes. He was the chairman for the economic advisors under Gerald Ford when he came up with the famous slogan, win, whip inflation now. <laughs> he served, that was catchy and, of course, completely uh, futile. Yes, and he served on the Greenspan Social Security.